Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Chapter 14, if you have your Bibles tonight, I want to minister, want to add my welcome to all who come into this conference. We are feeling a wonderful, wonderful surge of the Holy Spirit. God's going to do a great work this week. We're going to see the name of Jesus Christ exalted. We're going to see labors thrust into the harvest field and God's purpose honored. 1 Samuel chapter 14. During the American uh, Civil War, uh, Commander-in-Chief and President Abraham Lincoln was in constant frustration because he had a general whose name was McClellan and his task was as a commander in the Union Army, but the problem was that he wouldn't fight. He held the position. He was trained for military confrontation and engagement, but he was afraid to engage the enemy. And Abraham Lincoln was in constant turmoil and frustration with this man. On the other hand, there was another man whose name was Ulysses S. Grant. He was a drunk, but he wasn't afraid to fight. And he turned the tide of the Civil War because he engaged the enemy. Many pastors exactly like that, many leaders, they hold positions, they make motions like uh, they're involved in warfare, conflict. They hold a position, they hold an office, but they won't fight. Now I want to preach to you tonight about engaging the enemy. 1 Samuel chapter 14, beginning with verse 6, a familiar story. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said uh, uh, to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves uh, to them. If they say thus to us, uh, wait uh, until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say to us, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you something. 
Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men within about a half acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. Verse 23, so the Lord saved Israel that day. Engaging the battle. First of all, I want to point out to you the God factor. You know, uh, it's so easy for us to fall into religious cliches. There's probably not a believers sitting here not a pastor not a worker that cannot as uh, quote zechariah 4 6 not by might nor by power but by my spirit says uh, the lord of hosts uh, and uh, we quote that uh, and uh, we uh, say that we believe that uh, but oftentimes our actions are totally different uh, to that in first corinthians 1 26 says where you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. We say that uh, we believe that God will accomplish by his spirit. He doesn't need great talent, great ability. He doesn't need wise men. He doesn't need uh, people who are prominent, noble and mighty. And then we go on to put our emphasis upon the very thing that we say that we do not need. We paralyze ourselves uh, by analysis. We move uh, according to how much money that we can calculate uh, uh, so that there will be no risk or no sacrifice. We uh, begin to gauge the flaws in our disciples uh, and uh, we begin to think, well, the, uh, they're, they're, they, they, no, God couldn't use them. We have, we have the fear factor. Uh, we're afraid that we're going to fail if we undertake some kind of uh, activity or some kind of adventure. And uh, we need tonight to examine the Bible history. And this is why I'm preaching this sermon. Here we have a text. In this text, the Bible says... Uh, that there's a challenge, and that challenge is age-old. It is never obsolete. It's found in 1 Samuel 14, verse 6, to the end of the verse, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Think about that for a moment. Do you believe that tonight? For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few, but is this how you live your life? Do you live your life understanding the God factor that God can come on the scene, that God can change all the factors? He can move upon human personality. He can open doors. He can totally reverse. Do you really believe that tonight? Because the God factor is going to be the issue. And you see, this generation wants guarantees. How many of you know that? We want guarantees. We buy a car, we want a warranty. 
We buy an appliance, we want a warranty. We invest our money, we want a, we want a guarantee. We, uh, our whole life uh, is lived uh, by as closely as possible removing any kind of the risk factor. And the issue tonight is God's ability. And uh, listen uh, to the scripture, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that we even ask or think according to the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever. Amen. Paul said to the Thessalonians, for from you sounded out the word of the Lord unto the ends of the earth. And as he began to lay that before us, we need to understand that these words were spoken and deliberately uh, they were recorded uh, for you and I. In Zechariah 4 verse 10, For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. There the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Or in other words, there is a standard, and this standard is set by individuals that will begin to set a standard for God so that, uh, that what is involved in planet earth will line up with God's purpose. And that's a responsibility that we have tonight. The scripture records that an ox goat, the jawbone of a donkey, a shepherd's staff, a nail, a candle, a broken candle in a pitcher, a shepherd's sling. It goes on in the scripture and records for us that these were instruments that when God got involved, when the God factor came in, it changed all the dynamics and this wonderful history that we hold in our hand is because God is able to go to work. Can you say amen? He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we even ask or think. You're saying amen. This week is going to tell whether you really believe that. Think about the widow's mite. I, as I was preparing this sermon, I was pondering about the widow's mite. Uh, it's worth about two cents. And yet that was recorded in the scripture. And do you realize uh, that millions uh, upon millions uh, upon millions of dollars uh, have been raised uh, in churches by preachers uh, that used uh, the example of this widow who gave everything that she had, uh, which was about two pennies in our uh, currency today. Uh, and that small action uh, has been used to raise untold millions of dollars uh, because God uh, can use something small, something insignificant, something that's not exalted. Uh, and God uh, is not limited tonight uh, to human ability or resources. I'm excited tonight. I want to tell you, this conference, I, I told the congregation uh, when we began uh, our fast, uh, I told the congregation, there's a rush of the Holy Ghost. Uh, God is doing something. We, we know that we can, I'm talking God is doing something. He's at work by the Holy Spirit uh, and God is able to do something beyond your ability uh, if you'll open your heart and understand the God factor. Prescott, Arizona, not only a small town, limited money but i want you to look to the right and to the left to you at the people that are here not much to encourage you is there 
there's just a whole bunch of people exactly like you. But you see, we're not gathered tonight to, to uh, parade personalities. We're not gathered in this conference uh, to think about what we can do. We're thinking tonight uh, about what God can do, and He can do that. Uh, as I was taking uh, Ovidio Russo, the, uh, the uh, pastor of Brashov, overseer of the Romanian work, uh, uh, yesterday, and he's looking at Prescott, and uh, he's been listening to tapes, you know. He has this fantasy in his mind, this megapolis, uh, I mean, this fantastic uh, work that's spreading over the whole earth, and, and he's looking around this town, uh, and uh, he's, uh, he's marveling at uh, such a tremendous work uh, has been wrought uh, in such a small town and what's the secret tonight God move can you say amen and God can move again in 1st Corinthians 1 27 and 28 but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. I have just incorporated you and me and all that we have in the description of what God is able to use because the God factor is the key. Jonathan is here, and as Jonathan is here in this text, uh, there's a desperate condition in Israel. Uh, the people are oppressed. Uh, it is so bad they're hiding in the holes. Uh, but Jonathan uh, understood uh, that if God could move, then those factors were nothing. Uh, and he said, it's a small thing with God to help uh, with many or with few. I want to talk to you about the necessary action. See, we have a wrong view in the Christian world, and that is that we're waiting for God to move. Listen to the text that is here, 1 Samuel 14, verse 2. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Megron, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. Now Saul was not in motion. I want you to note that down. Here's Saul, he's in charge, he's responsible. It is him that needs to set the course. It is him that needs to set the battle, to engage the battle. He has 600 men with him, but he's sitting under a pomegranate tree. He's not in motion, no doubt waiting for God to move. This is the fatal doctrine of Calvinism. Calvinism is, uh, has hamstrung the church and uh, the doctrine of Calvinism is uh, the sovereignty of God and the sovereignty of God uh, uh, is the will of God and we don't dare to do anything or we don't dare to act about anything because uh, after all uh, God is sovereign and uh, whatever he uh, is going to do he's going to do and we have this uh, this uh, 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 attraction we have this uh, 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 tension between those two and many many times uh, this is a, uh, a theological excuse uh, for disobedience uh, 
See, we have the idea that we're going to have to have a voice or we're going to have to have a vision or we're going to have to have some holy man of God that's going to call us out and speak some kind of direction. And if we dare to move without any of these things, we're going to presume on God. And that's hamstrung the church for centuries. Now, here's a revelation I want to leave with you tonight. And that is that the will of God is found in acting. Saul is sitting under the pomegranate tree waiting for God to move. God is waiting for Saul to move. The will of God is found in acting. Listen to 1 Samuel 14, 6. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. You see, God's not going to move tonight uh, until you move. This is a hilarious drama that we have tonight. Here's Jonathan. You know the story. It's familiar to you. He engages the enemy. God gets involved and a confusion comes. Not only that, there's an earthquake. The earth begins to shake. When they see this confusion out there, Saul wakes up and he says, what's happening? I mean, this is hilarious. Count the people. Who's missing? Who? Jonathan's missing. Quick, let's get the ephod. Let's find out what God wants us to do. And it's taking too much. He says, forget it let's go and this is this is a hilarious picture that we have here because by the time they got involved the battle had already been won see while you're waiting for God to move God's waiting for you to move tremendous insight in the Bible listen let's look to this scene of the four leprous men in Samaria. You know the story, most of you? They're outside the city. They're outcasts. They won't let them in because leprosy uh, has to be uh, cast out. And they're sitting outside the walls of Samaria. Uh, there's a famine in the land. They're starving to death. Uh, and uh, suddenly one of them gets a, an idea and he said, why sit we here till we die? What a great insight. <laughs> Did you hear those words, Pastor? Why sit we here till we die? You are dying, you know. I see your sheets. These four leprous men said, let's just go down and uh, let's discover ourselves uh, because the city was in siege. Uh, they discovered themselves, said, uh, the worst that can happen to us is we die. We're going to die anyway. What difference does it make? We starve to death. If they kill us, we're going to die. I mean, this is deep theology here. <laughs> and God recorded that for you and for me. They start to walk. They're just looking for chow. And God gets involved. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, thank God. Can you say amen? Thank God. God gets involved, and here's these four old leprous men. They're walking down to the, and God begins to shake the earth. And they, they listen and say, what is that? What a, that chariot is coming. Let's run for our lives. And they run, and here comes the four leprous old men. There's the table set. There's child. There's gold. There's silver. There's everything they need in life. It's a wonderful thing because God got involved. Hallelujah. God got involved. That's a great question for you, Pastor. 
Why sit we here until we die? See, I've pastored forever. And uh, <laughs> I've been leader of this fellowship for 30-something years. And I have seen pastors die. What a tragedy. What, what a tragedy. Capability. Sometimes once enthusiasm, vision, insight, challenge, risk, the world before them. Age means nothing. Resources means nothing. Position means nothing. The only thing they can think of is, uh, let's go see what God will do. But they didn't obey that. And I've watched them die, many of them, no longer with us today. What about you, Pastor? What about that question? This is a great question for you tonight. Why sit we here till we die? We have David and Goliath. See, God didn't speak to these old leprous men. They weren't motivated by world conquest. They weren't motivated by vision. No voice came. They were motivated because they were hungry. Here's David. He's a shepherd. He comes down to the armies of Saul. He sees Goliath there. There was no vision. No angel said, David, David, quick, quick, David, quick. Get. He's just taking cheese to his brothers. He looks down at this foul Philistine who's down there cursing God and daring somebody to come out. And the only reason he went out, he's enraged as he sees the challenge of the devil from hell that is blaspheming the living God that he loved and served. And that's what motivated him. And we go, all of our Sunday schools, we teach David and Goliath, only a lad named David, round and around and around and around. And, uh, but you know, what about you? Do you get disturbed when you see Lost souls, do you get disturbed when you see the devil running slipshod over all the earth? Do you get disturbed when you see these elements that are there? Or are you too busy fishing, hunting, making money, involved in video games, locked into your mouse? What about you, Pastor? Can you be moved and outraged by the need of the hour? I was over in Redlands, California, did an evangelism class over there, and it was very interesting. I was answering questions. I just triggered it and started uh, answering questions. And uh, one young man, he was sincere, but he was just, you know, kind of super spiritual. And so uh, uh, he said, how did you start this fellowship? Did God give you a vision and a blueprint and, uh, and, uh, and, a, and a, did he speak to you? And I said, no. Isn't that unspiritual? I mean, no, I, I saw need. I saw desperate hippies. Crazy is a pet coon. Wandering through in droves and opened my heart to embrace the opportunity to do anything I could 
to meet that need. You see, tonight, as we're sitting here, and we begin to look at this, we need to understand that the will of God is found in acting. Think about this for a moment. See, it's hard to direct a man who's not in motion. It's hard to direct Saul. He's sitting, who knows what he was doing? I don't know what he was doing under the pomegranate tree, but I do know he was doing nothing. It's hard to direct a man who's not in motion. But you know, God can move a man even if he's going in the wrong direction or not quite the right direction if he's in motion. I was thinking about Paul. I preached a sermon about this sometime past. He was up in Turkey. And as he was up there, he wanted to go in a certain direction. And uh, he's in motion. God didn't tell Paul, I want you to go up to Turkey. If you follow the history, you find out him and uh, uh, Bar uh, Barnabas were, uh, they were on an evangelistic tour because there were people. That's why they went there. But he's there and God then began to say, I don't want you to go that direction. He wanted to go a different direction. I don't want you to go there. Finally, he sits down in Troas and in that event of God touching a man who was in motion, spoke to him at Troas, God changed world history because he went over to Macedonia and the course of the gospel was changed and history was changed by a man who was in motion who could be directed. See, the will of God must be found. Seeking tonight involves both willingness to attempt as well as, well as openness to direction. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. So here we find that a man who is in action, a man who's moving, a man who's doing something is a man that God can touch and give direction. We have the God factor. But there's a necessary action, and that necessary action is we must act. I've often thought about the priests who took the ark across the Jordan River. I don't know if you've ever seen a river that's in flood time. I pastored in Courtney, British Columbia a number of years ago, and uh, I took a little drive up the Puntledge River that runs down in the center of that a town comes off the Comox glaciers in springtime, early springtime, and uh, I was thinking about going fishing, and I was kind of uh, uh, looking the thing over, and uh, as I uh, came to that river, it was in uh, springtime flood stage, and I parked my car and walked up there. I don't think the river was probably over 50 feet wide, but I want to tell you there was a torrent of water going down through there. It was moving logs, and it was surging, and my heart just almost stopped as I looked. I said, man, that's a bad place there. <laughs> this is the Jordan River. When the priests are going to obey God, and carry it across. You know, we read that and say, oh yeah, well, uh, the first foot in the water. Uh, but just think if maybe you're the lead priest on the ark. <laughs> God said, I'm going to lead you across. You're saying to your companion, he's going to lead us across. And he's, we're going to... 
And this river's surging, it's bubbling. Logs are floating down. And you're the lead man that you're gonna have to step in and it ain't rolling back. You're six inches from it, it's still doing it. But you're gonna obey God and as you do, God moves. See, those stories are written for you tonight sitting in this tent. Those stories are written for me. Very easy to be spiritual. You know, we, uh, oh yeah, yeah, well, we believe God. Yeah, well, we're a church planning fellowship. Yeah, well, sure, yeah, uh, you know, this is a fellowship. What about you? Do you always move and have all your marbles in the bag before you make any kind of move? It was not until they stepped in that the Bible says the waters roll back and we have that glorious miracle of history written for us. In Isaiah 28, verses 5 and 6, in that day the Lord of hosts will be for strength for those, to those, who turn back the battle at the gate. That is a powerful scripture, and what that means is that those who will move into the most dangerous place, which is also the most strategic and effective place, is where God will come on the scene. And for strength to them that turn the battle to the gate. I want to talk to you quickly about the trigger. Catherine Kuhlman said many years ago as she was questioned about her healing ministry, God does not rent auditoriums, I rent auditoriums. What she was trying to convey is that you must create an arena for faith. This is so simple and yet so profound. Listen to verse 8 and verse 10. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men and we'll show ourselves to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we'll go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign unto us. See, in our outreaches, in our crusades, we don't have an angelic visitation. We create an arena and God can be moved to move for us. Write it down in your Bible. God can be moved to move for us. Jonathan had no visitation from heaven. Jonathan had no angelic uh, handwriting on the wall. Jonathan had no voice. Uh, Jonathan had nothing but a knowledge of God and God can move. And he said, let's go see what God will do. It's a glorious victory that I want to leave with you tonight. God is waiting for someone to move towards the enemy. See, our conferences are aimed. Can you say amen? amen. Our conferences are not places where we plant, practice dance steps. Our conferences aren't places where we look for the latest glitzy speaker 
and the latest word and the latest prophecy and the latest this and the latest that. Our conferences are aimed at challenging people to engage the enemy. Listen to verse 15. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earthquake, so that it was a very great trembling. So the Lord saved Israel that day. Listen again to these few verses in Ephesians 3. Just one phrase. Now unto him that is able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now here's the trigger. I want to leave this with you tonight. And that trigger is in every facet of the Christian life. Mark 2, a crippled man is there brought by four. And the Bible says, as I leave this with you, when Jesus saw their faith, God can be moved to move for you. As we look into this and we begin to ponder this, I want you to know that there will be no dominion unless you lay hold and launch out by faith. Joshua 1, 3, the Bible says these words, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I've given you, as I said to Moses. I have a book, very interesting book, comes out of Malaysia. The title of the book is Dare to Fail. This man writes an entire book upon the challenge that until you are willing to dare to fail, you will never accomplish anything great in life. And he's uh, not talking about spiritual things, uh, although he is a Christian. He's talking about the business world. Uh, and uh, dare to fail uh, is a concept that he lays out and argues uh, in an inch book. Uh, I have another says, he who dares uh, wins. So what we're dealing with tonight uh, in this conference opening night uh, is setting a pace this week, uh, setting our sails, uh, setting our hearts uh, opening our spirit and our mind to what God wants to do. Let me talk to you about venturing for a moment. The Bible writes in the Old Testament that a man struck a bow at a venture, shot a bow at a venture. That word venture literally means to gamble to put at risk. In the New Testament, it talks about men who have hazarded their lives. If you'll follow both those words, you'll find that they have the element of risk, they have the element of gambling. And to hazard your life comes from a root word, a game of chance like craps, playing two dice to chance, or to take a chance, or to roll the dice. I want to challenge you tonight to roll the dice. Say, well, I don't like to gamble. I know that. That's why I have to preach tonight. Look at this. One man. This is one man. This one man who caused a rout. Listen to these verses. 
And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of, of land. And then God began to powerfully get involved and the earth began to shake. Rolling the dice. One man. Think about this now. We're talking about spiritual dynamics. One man. You see, the Bible is filled with stories about one man. This book is the history of principally one man. His name is Abraham, who believed God in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis 15, uh, on through. And uh, the whole history of Abraham is in this book. He is the father uh, of millions uh, because uh, he moved for God, uh, one man. We have the story tonight uh, of a man named Shammah who stood in a bean field and the Bible says he defended that against the enemy and he won a great victory. The Lord won a great victory. We have David and Goliath, Goliath and he's heralded his name. We never tire of hearing about David fighting Goliath. We have Gideon whom God said you'll smite the enemy as one man. We're talking about one man tonight. Can we have one man in this conference that will gamble? Do we have one pastor tonight that will gamble? One man. See, every ministry that we have, uh, we take for granted a lot of these ministries. Someone had an idea, and they just moved forward in God, and it came to pass. Practically every church here uses some kind of treat drama. I remember some time ago when our people took a coffin and carried it down Whiskey Road. And I mean, think about that. Here's drunks, you know. There. I mean, the sidewalks are filled, and here these dudes are carrying a coffin down. Can you imagine what a turmoil that made down through there? You can die, you know. All to draw people to a play. I thought that was wonderful. I was in Romania and, and John Dumas gave that report about uh, throwing fris frisbees. You know, nobody in R Romania, they know what frisbees are. And so they want to learn how to throw. What a novel concept. That takes a lot of money, doesn't it? Whatever works. I remember Louis Polino and Mike Solano, you know, Prescott on the 4th of July is a little drunken cowboy town. Everybody dresses up, want to act like a cowboy, you know, and so, uh, and so uh, they, they got this idea for this drama, and so they did a hanging in the plaza. And so they dress up in their cowboy garb and they're dragging this poor guy and uh, they've got a tree picked out, they're throwing this rope over and the crowd's gathering, you know, they're gonna hang this guy. <laughs> We could talk about everything we do, concerts. These were revolutionary in the 70s. I mean, this was, like, this was like we landed from outer space when we did our first concert here. I remember the first time I went below the border into Mexico. I was on a vacation with my family and we went across the border in Nogales, 
from Nogales, Arizona into Nogales, Sonora, only went about 10 blocks. I was terrified. It's a foreign country, folks. A lot of Mexicans down there. I don't know what Mexicans are going to do. Never know what those folks might do to you down there. I turned my car around, went back across. Now we hop on jets. We go into countries uninvited. We go over the world and we don't think anything about it. But you see, that first adventure was what broke the ice to believe God. Guerrilla teams, conferences, all of these came out of a desire to do something to reach the unsaved with the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, the world's waiting for somebody to move towards the enemy. And God is moved tonight by aggressive action. Napoleon Bonaparte said in every conflict there's a 15-minute period of time. The commanding officer who realizes that period of time and will engage his forces and commit himself to the battle will win that battle regardless of superiority or inferiority of troops or equipment. It is a sensitive moment of time. We're in a great moment tonight of world history. What would happen out of this conference if every couple, if every pastor threw caution to the winds and did something? What would happen out of this conference? Fastened on to a nation, to a city, to an area actually engaged the enemy. While the Christian world is what if what if out of this conference we said we're different? Can you say amen? We're different. We're different. If we actually threw caution to the winds and said we're going to do something out of this conference. I have a registration in the nation of Mauritius for our fellowship. It's all in place. It's waiting for a man. I have a registration in Western Samoa. It's waiting for a man. You know, Pastor Mitchell, why don't you put somebody in there? Why don't you put somebody there? Now, that'd be a novel concept, wouldn't it? <laughs> Why don't you put somebody there? It's all registered, has a constitution, registered with the government. All we have to do is do the paperwork and send somebody in. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Engaging the battle. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? 
I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. When you listen to these inspiring messages, you are helping to send missionaries from the Chandler Bible Conference in September. If you loved what you heard, please send this message to someone that needs to hear it. Then leave us a review using the links in the show notes so that everyone who wants to find this podcast will see it when they search for it. We cannot thank you enough. See you next time.